Welcome to Illinois, the only place on earth where you can wake up on a Saturday and get absolutely blitzkrieged by the sun. And the following day, 24 hours later, you can go outside and get frostbitten. It snowed Sunday and today, which is Monday, after an 80 degree day. 24 hours, just like a magnificent shift. Wonderful, wonderful. Why are we still here? Why are we still here? Even them Antarctica ancient aliens would be like, mm mm, nope, hell no. Y'all, y'all can keep Chicago. No, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why they say that. Because we like consistency. Ancient aliens like consistency. Everybody likes consistency. Let me break it down like this even further for you. You have a ketchup bottle, and you have a a hot dog or a hamburger, your choice, dealer's choice, and you shake it, and when you spray it, you go, like some Jesta juice just spitting all over your hamburger. No one likes that shit. No one likes that shit. So when you shake it, and after a couple... Then it's a nice, steady stream of ketchup on that burger. That's what everyone That's what everyone likes. And I'd imagine that's what heroin feels like as well. When that steady flow of ketchup is just flowing out there. That's what heroin feels like, probably. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at today. That's where I am mentally today. And uh, also, I was watching some... Instagram, per usual, just some social media because that's what everyone does, right? And it's hilarious because you know when an Instagram viral dance has reached its life cycle. Like, you know, you see it, you see who's doing that dance, that viral dance that that was so lit for years, maybe. And then all of a sudden... You see, like, people that, that keep an extra copy of their W-2 in their back pocket doing the dance, like doing the gritty. And that's when you know that this shit is over, that it's dead. Like, when someone is supposed to be in an urn is doing the gritty, it's dead. It's dead. It, 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 it has reached its full cycle, and it's dead. And that's what I saw on Instagram. I saw... Someone that should be in an urn doing the gritty. And um, it's just, it, there's certain white people that can dance. There's certain white people that cannot dance. Know who you are. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here and um, always supporting me and uh, my mental self. Because I, as most of you know, I've fallen down a flight of steps when I was... Uh, six months old and I went to high school next to a poo plant. So I'm sure there's a whole bunch of retardation going on upstairs, but um, no filter. That's what you get out of me. So pros and cons to that. If you like me, I'm sure there's some that don't, but I still love you, baby. Thanks for being here. Thanks for blessing me. And uh, well, shit, man, let's get into the show. Shall we? It's a nice little prelude. (sighs) What do you want to talk about? Um, I know life is hard. Life could be so hard. And I like to 
empathize with people. And a lot of people think that I have like this picture perfect life. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, that's one of my curses that I have because people see me physically first, obviously. And whatever the stereotype, I have blonde hair, blue eyes, white skin. Like it looks like I was born with a, a credit score of 780 and can just take out a loan to buy a house and put anything on credit. And um, police leave, leave me alone the whole nine yards. And it's just not the case. So, I mean, I, I think I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit today. Um, but sometimes the nicest people, man, have the most fucked up lives. And I think where that stems from is because these people understand how bad life can get and the place that it, it put them mentally, even in some cases physically, where they had gotten. And they don't want that to happen to anybody else. They really don't. They don't want anybody else to feel that way. So they go out of their way to be nice. And um, it's funny, man. If you're into like superhero movies, um, I'm not right now at the moment, but when I was growing up, obviously, those were huge things like Batman. And a funny thing about those movies is like villains and superheroes, they always have like the same backstory. It always stems from pain. Every time, every villain, every superhero, it stems from pain. And the only difference is, is how they, how they adapt to the pain. Villains will, will, will pretty much say, the world hurt me, so I want to hurt it back. And I'll go at any length to hurt it back. While the superheroes, on the other hand, they say that the world hurt me, and I'm not going to let this happen to anybody else. So choose your character. Who are you going to be? Because like, most of us are going to go through some shit, right? If you haven't already, you're going to. And it's just, it's just how you take that path, man. What you do with that. What you, what you do with that pain. And um, so my personal story... Um, I mean, shit, man, stems back from when I was young, um, basically raised by just a mom. My dad wasn't very present from maybe the age of like 11 or 12. Like I only see him a, a handful of times a year and that's still consistent like to this date. Like I only see him a couple, couple times. It's a weird relationship that we have. It's very weird. It's not like your normal uh, father son like the the relationship that I have with my son is way different than the relationship that I have with my dad it almost kind of feels like estranged in a bit like we'll do a fist bump say hi but there's like there's no in-depth conversations at all at all we don't have we don't have that um I know he had a very tough childhood when he was growing up 
Like his dad was the chief of police and it was a very strict household. It was so strict, in fact, that he he dipped out at the age of 18 and went to the Marines and was pretty much an adult by then. Just grew up real quick and went to the military and got hardened there. So then that becomes my reality. Like everything that he went through is now on me. And sometimes the only way parents know how to parent is from what they've seen before. And you can see this all over the place, man. Like uh, a lot of times people that have like mental problems or are like mean individuals, like abusive as hell, bullies, like all you have to do, man, is just go take a look in the household and shit will probably be very clear. You know, just go take a look in their household and it's like you'll you'll see exactly why that bully keeps shoving people and like picking on the little kids because his dad is beating him. You know, whenever he gets home, he's getting clocked upside the head. Whenever he gets home, he see he sees his mom getting beat by his dad. Like, oh, that's how they that's how I know they love each other. Like when you're a little kid, man, you're a sponge, dude. Like you're still making these connections in your mind. And it goes really, really deep, subliminal almost. And you just monkey see, monkey do. I say it a lot, but it it really is. And that's an issue with uh, this the era we live in now where people are growing up on the internet. And it's monkey see, monkey do. But that's a, that's a whole other conversation for another podcast. But we're going to stick with... Um, with my upbringing. Um, so yeah, I don't have a close relationship with my dad and maybe, maybe some of you know how that feels as well. So you kind of feel like, um, there's this emptiness. There's a, maybe a lack of confidence somewhere, maybe a lack of something, something is missing definitely. And maybe you can't put your finger on it. And that's why, that's why talking helps because then when you talk, you, you understand that you have these feelings. And sometimes like these feelings are so, they're so bottled deep that you didn't even realize you had them. And they get brought up to the surface just simply by talking to someone you care about or, or is just like a really good listener, like a loved one or a best friend, a cousin, anything like that. So, or a therapist. A therapist is good too. Someone you feel safe with that you can share anything. Because when you just start talking, man, things will come up that you didn't even know. It's the wildest thing. It's so dangerous to just like keep isolated and keep everything inside. Because then you only, you only know what you think you know. Because who are you consulting? You're only consulting yourself. So now the problem is you're asking these questions, but now you're also answering the question that you're asking in your mind. And believe it or not, there's a bias. I mean, as, as bipartisan as you think you are in your mind, you have a bias and you're going to do whatever you can to justify the better outcome. Right. And even in some cases, like the worst outcome where people are like, oh man, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. I suck. Blah, blah, blah. 
Like it can go polar opposites either way, but you need to have like a balance. You need to talk to somebody. It's so important. It's so important. I just want to express that so much. There is help available. So, and Pete, your friends will listen to you, man. Just have a conversation, please. I know it's just such a hard time right now, especially after COVID where many people are just, I don't seem like themselves lately. And you're just fueling up on social media and there's a lot of negativity. So get out there, go do some things, go talk to loved ones. Um, Let's get back to me. Sorry, I keep pulling away, but these are important things. Um, I was very bad at school. I was, socially, I was good. Um, academically, I was really bad. In ninth grade, I was in something called special chance. It was like this new, I, they, I'm pretty sure they think I'm retarded. Let's just say that. I was in something called special or... um whatever I just said, something, second chance where you, the teachers thought you were going to do poorly in high school because of how you tested, maybe in middle school. So they were trying to mitigate that and get you on a second chance. So everything was just like slowed down and, you know, it was, it was, there's a small number of people in the class. It was like nine people instead of your standard, probably like 30 people. It was cool though. I liked it. (laughs) I felt at home, of course. But um, no, that only lasted for a year. Then they got rid of the program. I don't know. I think because all of us failed the class somehow or something. We weren't doing very good. Um, There were a lot of mean kids in that, that class as well. So they were like abusing the teachers. Not me. But like some of these kids had attitude problems and were just screaming at the teachers and stuff. So they, they can that after freshman year. So sophomore year, you know, I had to get put in regular courses and obviously I didn't do very well. There were some classes I was good at like history, but we're not going to go through my whole uh, high school experience. The, the case in point is I did very poorly in high school, I managed to, to graduate, but just barely. And I had said on a previous uh, podcast that I fucked around the day before the ACT test and got hammered and had a huge party. Um, I can justify it and say it was because of my birthday, but no, dude, I was drinking. It didn't even fucking matter if it was my birthday or not. I was just partying so hard. And I think I got like a 13 or something. No one's taken yet. 13. I don't even think prison would take me at 13, man. Like 13 is like you got half of your name right, but then you got the other half of your name wrong. So that's a 13. And I had to, I wanted to go to college, man. All my friends were going to college. So I had, uh, I had to saddle up if I really wanted to go. And I couldn't, I mean, dude, at fucking 17, 18, 19, the last thing I want to do is hunker down and do schoolwork, dude. I'm like fueled by pre-workout and testosterone and chasing girls and drinking and drugs and alcohol. So I don't, mad respect to anyone that is able to do that at that age. Like if you were able to master school and have a social life, like props to you 
that is that is amazing. You are you are a rare breed, and I wish I would have known you, but that's I don't think that's the case for most people. Um, most people are probably like they get into a low end university some sort, which I couldn't even get into. Um, so I had to write like all of these letters to try and get into college, and I kept getting denied. Uh, long story short, I had to take community courses, community college courses, which took me three years, two or three years to do to get enough credits to get into a university. But I had to stay at my house anyways and commute. It was like a, it was a university, but it was in like a, a planter's peanut factory. So I it's called Robert Morris. They had an awesome hockey team, which I played for. And uh, it was a fun experience, but it wasn't the full experience. So I missed out on the the college experience, what everyone is told to do. I still have to pay my student loan back, and I didn't even get that social aspect. But something tells me it's it probably worked out for the best because I probably would have failed out of college and would have had to have paid like 60K back and not even have a degree. So there's that. And... um you know, leading up to, to college, I had gotten arrested three times for weed and paraphernalia. Um, so that made it hard getting a job um, with that on your, your record. I think all of it got expunged now. Um, but it made life really hard, man. So not having a dad, not going to college. Um, I shouldn't say not having a dad. I have a dad, but limited relationship with my father. Um, didn't go to, to college like everyone else did and had that experience. And it was such a pain in the ass to get a job because of my record. Cause I was arrested three times and, you know, it just made life, it made life, not what people saw me as people see me and think that I have that perfect life. Right. And it's not true at all. I went through uh, a drug addiction as well, man. And that was, that's like the second half of my life. So the first half was pretty difficult. And then the second half of my life, I got addicted to uh, opioids. And that's how I ended up getting divorced. I lost my marriage and my kid at the age, at the ripe age of 30. And that was like probably the hardest thing that I've ever been through in my entire life, as it should be. It should be hard. So you don't do it again. You know, it's like, that's, that's me in a nutshell though. Like get your ass kicked. And when you get your ass kicked, it, you like, you better be damn near dead. So, you know, the pain, like you will not, you will not do that again because of how devastating it was. You will not do that again. And that's kind of where I live at, man. And the moment when I lost my, who is now my ex-wife and my kid was, um, it was, uh, we had a night, we had a, a game, a hockey game one night. Sorry. It's just, it's tough. Um, We had a uh, 
Sorry. <laughs> Damn. I had a hockey game uh, late at night, and on my way out to my car, my wife at the time saw me that I had a uh, a bottle of prescribed pills. And uh, she's like, she actually gave me the ultimatum, man. She's like, it's either, it's either the pills or it's, Fuck, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> There's uh, all this dead air. <laughs> it sucks. I try not to do that. But she said it's either the pills or your family. And like a dumbass, I took the pills and got in my car and went. Ugh, man. And that was the last time. And that was it. That was it. Um, We got divorced. And uh, she took custody of... My kid, but I feel like a fucking idiot just crying here. <laughs> I mean, I don't have to post this, but I will because I'm hopefully it'll help some of you if you're going through some shit. Um, oh, yeah, that was the uh, the hardest thing I've ever been through, but uh. I was able to to get it together, man, because I had lost my job before that as well. So, fuck, it was tough, man. Uh, I was able to to get my shit together, so I had to I had to move out of the house, and uh, I had to move in with a with my brother for a little bit, um, maybe for a few months, and then I had to uh, move in. <laughs> sound like a little bitch dude I keep uh, doing cracking voice and then I had to move into a place that my dad had that he rented out so I uh, I did that and I lived there for like a year or two and that's when I started to rebuild my life because of how devastating that moment was and I was able to get a good job and I was just able to like get my life back on track, dude. It took time, but I was able to do it. And um listen, dude, I'm a, <laughs> like I'm an idiot. So if I can do it like anyone else can, you know what I'm saying? Like if I can do it and and kind of like dig yourself out of this hard situation, I'm sure any of you can, right? But Fuck. Life gets hard, dude. I know. Life gets hard. But you have to, like... We don't know what happens at the end of life. So you might as well just keep on playing the game, dude. And see where it ends up. Because people do love you. You may not know it. You may not feel it, but... I know that people love you, dude, so. 
Oh man, just hang in there. To everyone listening, I appreciate you listening. Um, better times come, man. Better times come. Like sometimes you don't always have that royal flush. Uh sometimes, you know, you step in dog shit and you gotta You gotta wipe it off, dude, and just know that better times are ahead. And stay strong. Stay strong. If I can do it, anyone can do it, man. Okay, I think I'm done crying like a little bitch. Sorry. Uh, It just hit me really hard. I haven't really been open about that particular situation. But if I just want to let anyone know, man. Like, if you're going through some shit, just understand that I know what it's like. Okay? And a lot of people see, like, this on the outside and have no idea what's on the inside. And, um, I mean, I empathize. We probably have a lot more in common. Like, use me as a resource, please. Please use me as a resource. I've been through some shit, and I understand. I can, I can try to help you navigate it, right? I like. I have a a wonderful relationship with my son now. I have a wonderful relationship with my ex wife now. Like, I see them almost every day. But it took time. It just took time. It took time, and you have to. You have to want it. It will not come to you. It will not come to you, dude. You have to get out there. You have to put yourself out there and make the opportunities happen. We're going to end it there, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening and supporting me. Um, Damn, I did not see that coming. Um, I just have a lot of love for everybody, and I hope everyone's okay. And we're in this together. And if you need just someone to talk to, man, reach out. The Curiosity Chamber at gmail.com. Hit the hotline, 847-219-2714. Just know that I love you. I'm sorry this episode is like a <laughs> a wreck. But um, I think it's important, and I hope it helps some of you. I love you guys. Uh, be good. Peace.